0: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and this is a special little Tuesday segment of the Centered from Reality podcast. I know you're probably going, what? He's back. We already heard too much of him this week, and now he's back for another round. Don't worry. I'm not going to keep this normal. This is going to be quicker, but I just got done watching the January 6th hearings, the seventh hearings that have happened. I uh, I was at home today getting some work done, so I had him on in the background, and there was a few moments where I actually just stopped watched and really just absorbed what I was seeing and so I wanted to do a quick little reflection on what I've seen over the last few hours mainly focusing on the testimonies from two people in specific now a lot happened a lot of it to me was information that a lot of us who've been following this have already known but Stephen Ayers and Jason Van Tattenhove are two people who testified One was the spokesman for the Proud Boys, or the former spokesman for the Proud Boys, and another one was someone who did storm the Capitol. He didn't hurt anybody, he didn't break any property, but he was cut on tape storming the Capitol, and both of their testimonies kind of put chills down my spine just because of what these two expressed, and the energy, and the background and the ties to extremism and how they easily fall or fell into this trap and how I think others could as well. And look, I know the economy is not great. Inflation is high. Gas prices are bad. Americans are struggling. There's other issues to talk about. That's not wrong. Steph's definitely not wrong. But I think uh, if we want to have a system that allows us to flourish, allows us to get by, allows us to fight for other issues, We also need to hold people accountable that clearly want to see our democracy not function anymore. And that's why, for me, talking about these hearings is something very important. Because there's nefarious forces in this country that wanted to see a democratic election stolen. And there were evil groups, such as the Oath Keepers, who were going to use that time as basically a path to legitimacy, to basically create or foster their version of what they think the United States should look like. And, you know, just to give a background, this was like, like I said, the seventh hearings, it focused on the events basically in the two weeks leading up to January 6th. And it focused on a lot of the meetings that Trump and his officials had with extremists and different groups. There was a lot of a focus on Roger Stone, for example, By the way, I learned today that he actually took the Proud Boy oath and was very instrumental in kind of communicating between the White House, Trump allies and groups like the Proud Boys. So that always makes you feel really rosy, I guess you could say. But I'll just start by saying, you know, the committee's doing a good job. I I really do think they're doing a good job of kind of not just creating a timeline of what happened, but also trying to highlight how this wasn't just fringe actors. This was people inside of the White House. There was a lot of complacency. A lot of people could have stood up to this, and they didn't. And I think they also did a good job today of kind of highlighting some of the connections between extremist groups. And just some initial thoughts from the beginning of the hearing. I thought Benny Thompson, who's chairing this committee, he, he made a good point. And it's something that I don't think should be controversial to anyone, though it could be. But, you know, he talks about how we settle our differences at the ballot box he discussed Trump's involvement in stoking fear and hate and basically how that infringed on the idea of settling differences at the ballot box. And I think that is absolutely true. And so what I just want to talk about in this kind of short episode, though, is first Jason Van Tottenhove, who was an independent journalist. And over over the decades, he basically got involved with the Oath Keepers. And Basically, from what I understand, he became their spokesman for a long time, and he really saw their inner workings. And now he was asked why he eventually stepped away, and he he kind of noted that for a while he saw it started as kind of just a militia movement and an anti-government movement. Then it turned in towards far right, and then from far far right it went to white nationalism, and then from white nationalism it went to just outright racism. And from outright racism, it went to, you know, false truths, Holocaust denialism, just like the worst possible thing you could get to. And so he talked about how once he was in Eureka, Montana, I believe it was, with a few other members in his group, Oathkeeper group. And I guess they were in a market, and the two guys were talking about how the Holocaust did, is a total conspiracy and never happened. And I guess this guy, tattenhove Van Tattenhove at that moment was like, yeah, that's too much for me, which I'm surprised the other stuff wasn't. But apparently the Holocaust denialism was too much for him. And he went home and talked to his wife and he's like, we, I, I have a kid. We can't keep up with this. That was that was my understanding of at least what he testified was that when he started hearing Holocaust denialism, he decided he needed to leave. And so anyways, he, he had some pretty disturbing stuff, he said, that was part of the, part of the stuff that really put chills down my spine. So he was asked what the Oath Keepers are like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he what he said to that was was true, but I, I guess I just never thought about it like this. He basically said the best example of what the Oath Keepers are and what they stand for was January 6th. He talked about how we saw a glimpse, glimpse sorry into the America that the Oath Keepers envision, and that was January 6th. He goes on to talk about how What this organization wants is violence, lies, and propaganda, and they don't really care about order, laws, or democracy, but it's about decentralized chaos. And and as people that have probably listened to this podcast for a while would know, that is something I have focused on a lot, is kind of this idea of decentralized extremism, decentralized terrorism, and the Oath Keepers kind of fit into this. And so Van Tottenhove basically really highlights how That's what this organization wants. Like what we saw on January 6th is what their vision of America would entail. And of of course, of course, it gets worse than this because then he gets into why the Oath Keepers saw an ally in Trump and why they supported January 6th and why they were indirectly working with allies such as Roger Stone, such as Michael Flynn, just to name a few. And he goes on to talk about how the goal was sedition. They wanted an armed revolution. And he said, in quotes, this could have been the spark that started a civil war. And he means January 6th, if it went well, could have been that spark. And this highlights the point that President Trump was indirectly communicating, and directly at times, communicating with people with Oath Keeper links. And this includes Stuart Rhodes, who is the founder of the Oath Keepers, ironically, a Yale Law School graduate who, apparently, according to the testimony today, is a crazy egomaniac who just wants control and he has delusions of grandeur and he has an extreme ego. And he's been running this militia and he had ties with Trump officials, other people did, and, and Van Tottenhove testified about all of this today. But basically, Tottenhove's point was that the Oath Keepers saw Trump as a path to legitimacy because they always had these goals of training and becoming their own paramilitary unit. They kind of like this idea of decentralized control. And I think they saw the insurrection as kind of the beginning, especially if Trump and his officials actually carried out some of the plans they wanted. I think their goal was to actually become one of the paramilitaries of whatever happened next. And I don't know if it would have been a civil war, but it's almost like these guys wanted there to be a civil war or at least some breakdown because they saw themselves to be able to have a role in this new system. And so they saw the Trump lies, the big lie, what Trump was doing, what his officials were trying to do as beneficial to their cause. And that is troubling and that should trouble everyone. <laughs> it, it, it goes on because, and again, I'm, I just took notes when I was watching this. So I'm just going through kind of some of the highlights here. Also what Van Tottenhove did, which also sent chills down my spine, was that I guess in his written testimony, he talked about why these people need to be held accountable and he basically, you know, started with kind of the the BS of like I have a wife and kids and grandchildren now, and he's like, I want I, I want this country to be safe for my grandkids, and he kind of poses the hypothetical hypothetical question of what will Trump do if he gets elected again? He's like, he's already whipped up the base, he's already angered America, he already has people standing by, and what will he whip up next? And it's it's a powerful question to me because we already saw. You know, the Oath Keepers and other groups were already shipping in bombs and weapons prior to January 6th. There was training happening on the ground. You have to wonder if this was better organized and if Trump was president again, and now he knows how to drive the car. You do have to kind of worry what could be next, especially now if Trump only put enablers in. Yeah. And so... Van Tatenhove basically says, we must hold these people to account or it'll be worse next time. And then he goes, you know, for a few minutes, I guess even more troubling if it could. He just says he's actually mind blown that there hasn't been worse violence and there hasn't been more death. Um, It actually literally seemed authentically surprising to him that there haven't been more people killed due to these groups that just want decentralized violence. And... You know, when I look back at history, and I know I've given this rant before, but bear with me, is when I look back at like kind of the, the beginning of the Nazi party or the beginning of Mussolini's rise to power, they relied on these type of military groups and paramilitary groups that would go around roughing up people that didn't agree with their cause. And I guess if you had an authoritarian like Trump or someone worse and you also had groups like the Oath Keepers that maybe weren't totally aligned with Trump, but have the same goals in mind. It's it's worrying, especially if our country's so divided. So Van Tatenhove didn't actually tell me anything new, but the way he phrased these things made me just realize how bad of a cycle we are in. And he kind of ended his testimony. I think it was Jamie Raskin was asking him, or no, no, I think it was Liz Cheney. I want to say, but anyways. He said in quotes, I fear what the next election cycle will bring. I'm surprised we have not seen more bloodshed. And yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to me more than the other people testifying to hear these guys who actually left groups like the Oath Keepers, because it's always interesting to hear, like, what was the straw that finally broke the camel's back? In this case, it was Holocaust denialism but I am glad this guy speaks because their perspective is always different. It's a little bit more rough, it's a little bit more realistic, and it's a little bit more stoic because usually by the time you leave one of these groups, a lot of bad things have probably happened and I'm sure you're not living a great existence, probably getting death threats from members of the group, probably not welcomed by the other side either. So these type of perspectives are always really fascinating to me, to say the least. And again, I will just I will just say it one more time is that The fact that Trump and a lot of his officials were just so willing to embrace groups like this tells me again, if it's not already clear, Donald Trump should never be near the White House again. This is not someone fit to be president for all Americans. Moving on, I also wanted to talk about the other testimony today from Stephen Ayers. And unlike the first testimony, he was not actually associated with, sorry, we got a loud vehicle outside. Let me, wait a second. Um, Unlike the other groups, he was not actually associated with an extremist group, but he's one of the people that was on social media and was following the big lie and felt like he owed it to Donald Trump to go to the Capitol to to show his support for Trump. So he's one of those people that literally got brainwashed on social media and felt like it was his purpose to go there to show support. And, you know, I, I will just start by saying that I actually, by the end of this guy's testimony actually felt kind of bad for him. Um, I, I really did, because this is a guy you could see that, you know, had tried to do the right thing most of his life, got sucked into the social media rabbit holes of misinformation or disinformation in this case, and slowly was convinced that the election was stolen. And I've said this on other episodes, is that if you truly believed that the election was stolen due to the lies that Trump put out, then I don't really blame you for going to the Capitol. And this is not me defending storming up the Capitol, but if you think your ex- existence and your vote has been stolen because someone demagogued that, yeah, of course you're gonna go fight. And Trump and his allies used that energy and used those emotions in a very dangerous way. And I, I really despise it. But, but moving on, um, so, Mr. Ayers testifies he worked in a cabinet company in Ohio for 20 years, family man, and he just discusses how he was really hardcore into all the social media, YouTube, Instagram, Reddit, all that stuff, and yeah, when he felt like after the election he needed to go to the Capitol for the Stop the Steal rally, and he made it clear that at the time he believed the election was stolen, which is obvious if you're going to stop the steal, and he was upset when... um, When he just found out through all Trump's speeches and Twitter posts that the election was stolen, and something notable about this is that he did mention during during his testimony that he did not plan to go to the Capitol. He went to Washington D.C. to to show Trump's support at Stop the Steel rally, and I think this is super important, super important, because he basically said that his plan was to go to the Stop the Steel rally, but at the rally, the president got everyone riled up, and he. And, and Ayers seems to imply that it seems like the president encouraged everyone to go to the Capitol. Basically, you had all these people that believed the election was stolen. They went there to support you, and you got them all riled up and fucking pissed off. And what do you think they were all going to do? Go to the Capitol. And Ayers goes on to say that everyone seems to have thought that Trump was going to march with them, which even stoked the anger and energy more. And he said that basically by the time the Stop the Steal rally was over everyone was planning on going to the Capitol, even if they didn't go there with that intention to begin with. And then he was asked if he thought it was a good idea or a bad idea that they were walking with Oath Keepers. And he basically said he felt safer going with Oath Keepers and no one there had any issues with going with these militia groups. And it was just interesting to hear his testimony about someone who didn't really seem like a bad guy, seemed like he had fallen for misinformation, and went to the Capitol to show support. And once he was there, the energy of the moment stoked by Donald Trump got him to go there. And again, this is something that's not new. You know, if you're like me, you've been reading about this for a while, but seeing it seeing it in the perspective of one person who didn't seem like a bad guy, but just someone who was lost and brainwashed, it was interesting to see. And, you know, he, he then talked about it since all this has happened. He, he, he kind of compared what happened to having on horse blinders, <laughs> which I think was an interesting way to put it. But he just talks about how it's changed his life, obviously not for the good. He said he lost his job, he had to sell his house, and he just seemed depressed and broken. And he said he was just furious that Trump is still lying about the 2020 election. And yeah, I mean, those were my key takeaways from here, is you kind of saw the perspective of two people that were in this movement, and they, they just kind of showed the internal workings of it. A few other things I would say is that we did see uh, Cipollone testify today a little bit. It was mainly on the connections. I guess he's going to testify next week more. I honestly didn't find that much in his testimony different. I think he just felt legally obligated to at this point. But, you know, Cipollone basically says that he told Trump that he should have conceded the election. A lot of people said he did. There was nothing too brain... Or, or too mind-blowing, I guess you could say, with this. Um, there was evidence, obviously, that was, again, reiterated that Trump's team lacked evidence to show that they won the election. And I guess the problem is, and it's probably the root of this, is that they knew they had no evidence that they won, but they went ahead with January 6th anyways. And it's just, it is evil when you know personally that you lost, but you convince a lot of Americans to believe something, and, and you deceive them. And I guess also, you know, this wasn't just a tourist visit. We need to remember that, because that's what the one testimony from Van Den Toten said, is that this was not a tourist visit. These were guys that wanted a civil war. They were asking for some sort of person like Trump to bring legitimacy to their desire for chaos. And that's the problem when you have a movement like, like like the Trumpism, is that it's quite a wide-ranging circus tent. And because of the carelessness and Trump's ego, we almost saw more death happen. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say for today, but I was just kind of really fascinated with that stuff. Again, like Vander Toten said, we are lucky we haven't seen more violence, but I think we need to hold these people accountable because more is probably coming unless we do something. Anyways, be back with a full episode later. Thanks for listening. Don't worry. These Tuesday things won't be common. But anyways, have a great rest of your day. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, all that jazz. Peace.